Welcome to episode 42 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, David B. Lines. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, we will be discussing the old writer's adage of plotting versus pantsing, uh-huh. uh, which will be a nice in-depth discussion, David, about how we build our books. But that's mm-hmm. before I auditioned for my record deal this week with another lovely croon into the mailbag um and then later in the show jonathan vice i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with vice yeah Um, we'll be yeah i think that's the now i think that's how we pronounce it we'll be joining us from all the way down under to face our seven questions however we will begin the show david as we always do by discussing the week that was so david how has the last seven days in your author business been for you well it's been slightly lacking when it comes to my author business because i've just spent uh, a week back in my hometown of dublin uh, catching up with Lovely. friends and family but um aside from walks around grafton street and stevens green and roller coaster rides at tato park i was squeezing <laughs> in some at work because I mm-hmm. have my novella coming out on the 24th of August and I'm in as I mentioned last week uh, at the redrafting stage mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite processes uh, and so I've been sort of getting to my manuscript when I can you know yeah. normally when Lola was going down at night in Dublin and, and I take the laptop back out and redrafting so it's it's a simple stage it's really just perfecting the the prose that i've already put down over the past couple of months um you know sentence structure phraseology voice of the uh character that i'm writing in i, I write um predominantly in first person so it, it, i like that process I, I did mention before as we were discussing our, our processes and we're actually going to go into the the building process as our main talking point today plotting versus pantsing um it, you know i i i really enjoy this part of it so i'll go through seven sort of redrafts but they on each of them only takes maybe two or three days so i'm nearly at the tail end of that ready to get it off to my editors this day next week um, and aside from aside from the redrafting uh, it, it's the start of a new month happy august everybody i can't believe uh-huh. it's fucking august i cannot believe I it's august it's Look, ridiculous especially Especially when you look out the window and it's pissing with rain constantly. <laughs> I mean, what is going on? I don't want to. I don't want to be the you know the you know quintessential English man complaining about the weather, or an old man yelling at a cloud. But I literally am because yes. this is meant to be summer and it's ridiculous. But you're right. I can't believe it's August. It's mad. Well, I heard. I read a statistic that um, it's been the wettest July on record in the UK. Also, uh-huh. the hottest July on record in the uk so i don't know what's going on to be honest with you uh, except that i got a, a wet a lot 
Um, so because it's the start of a new month, um, my newsletter goes out. I think I mentioned this before on the show. It goes out on the first of every month. So that had to be uh, structured uh, or finalized while I was in Dublin. So um, not the most productive week for me, but um, it didn't have to be. I, I, I'm where I need to be now. I've got another week with my manuscript before it's off to the editors. Um, so I'm, I'm in a good place uh, professionally. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Rob? What have you been doing over the past seven weeks? You, last Friday had a big lunch i did indeed and it went extremely well david it was my best launch ever um i knew that was gonna i knew that was gonna be the case based on pre-orders sales, Um, yeah but um what what i got is i got uh got my orange tag so you know i I snagged the screenshot of that so that's all 12 great uh sam pope books now i've got with the orange number one tag next to it so at nice. some point in time i will probably do some marketing around that um yeah the best thing i had for this one and and i i, I got a little bit like you know what this was five years in the making this this was you know, I plan to write a series that would be good enough and big enough to allow me to do this for a living. And I got a um, a screenshot where the new book, The Fighter, was number one new release, and the fourth Sam Pope box set was second number one, uh, the second biggest release. Ah, oh, that's amazing, category. man! So that was like, uh, you know what? I've I've I had a plan and I've executed that plan. So so that was a nice yeah. um nice thing to to get um but as you know david i don't i i I rarely sit still um Mm -hmm. so um i got my cover for the new series i'm doing jack towns m1 Um, oh it's your first towns on cover yeah i got it and i shared it on on my social media it's worth checking out because it's very different to the sam pope ones but it still has hints that it's my branding um, Great. which which i'm thrilled at my cover designer's done an amazing job there but just by launching that out and sending it out to my social media i've had a load of pre-orders for that which has been quite nice and that's still oh so that's already that's... up for pre-order mm. yep and i reckon Ooh. i'll i'll have the book ready I, I reckon a good few weeks before the pre-order so i'll probably bring it forward but um here's a good uh thing that's happened so i've been i've been writing away on it the the words of spilling out of me at the moment it's really really good right. it's a good zone that i'm in i think i'm about 26 27 000 words in oh nice um but what i oh, did is funny. i i i've been writing this one slightly different i don't know if i've said this on here like i've i'm doing smaller chapters i'm kind of it's a different pace to, to the sam pope books but i got to like chapter nine or ten i can't remember and I'm in constant contact with Emma, friend of the show, our resident yes, editor, Emma Mitchell, great editor. Um, who obviously edits my books. And this is why it's really good to build a good relationship with people you work with, because I was speaking with her and I said, I have a concern that I don't know if this is good. I know if my Sam Pope books are good. I know that because I've been writing them for five years. I've got that a proven formula. Yeah. This is completely new to me. It's a different format. It's a lot more dialogue heavy. It's a bit slower, but a bit more mysterious, blah, blah, blah. So I sent her the first nine or 10 chapters and she's read through it and she's come back. And I got told like one of them was, um, you need to rewrite this main character, basically his boss, because you've made her a complete dick. 
<laughs> when wow. I was like trying to go for like, oh, she's a you know tough and quite driven detective. Apparently, I just wrote her so unlikable that um, wow. you should. So I've sat and I've rewritten that, and there's just a few other pointers just to tighten up. But that's been good editor process. Yes, it's good, and it's, it's it's something to you know you can always lean on people to do that. So that's been good. The last thing I just wanted to say this week, David, you'll be interested in this. Is I've been contacted by a company i don't know have you heard of them called adverly no new to me so i got uh re- they reached out to me and i've had a look through and i i think i might be having a conversation with them over the next week or so they're essentially they're very similar to that perpetua company you used so they, oh, yeah. they focus on running uh amazon ad campaigns they do facebook ones but i'm i'm okay with that but i sent i i i did i filled in their brief questionnaire and i sent mm-hmm. off all the stuff so they've come back to me saying based on what I have and the read-through, they reckon they could turn my Amazon ads up to 11, both in the UK and the US. But obviously, Great. they're going to talk a good game. But I'm gonna, they've sent me like an eight-page detailed form to fill out, like proper, oh, you know, okay. all these questions. So I'm going to go through that and see how it goes. But I don't know whether or not I'll go with them. They're not wildly expensive, but at the same time, we'll just see how it goes. I'll keep you posted. Okay, Robert, um, this week's main talking point is the old adage of plotting versus pantsing. Now, if Mm. you have in any way studied creative writing, you would have come across um, this phrase, plotting versus pantsing. But just for those who may not have been um, educated specifically on the art of uh, novel writing, Robert, what is plotting versus pantsing? So plotting is obviously when you plan out your book to whatever degree that you feel comfortable with, whether that is chapter by chapter, whether that's just um, beginning, middle, end, those types of things, or even if you're just plotting characters like their journeys and then you'll do. But that, that's a form of plotting, all of that. If you're sitting down with preparing yourself for something, that's plotting. Pantsing yeah. comes from the term flying by the seat of your pants, which means you just sit down and you start writing and wherever your imagination or wherever the novel takes you, you go with it. So it's it, most people are usually a, you're able to put people in one of the two categories I think very rarely will you have um, like a what's that little diagram thing with the two circles and you've got that little bit in the middle. I don't think you have like a plot. Oh, Venn diagram. Or, yeah, or like something like that. Um, yeah, I don't think they really exist. Um, <clears throat> but that's what the term plotting or pantsing means. Um, yes. It's an interesting debate. Yeah. I think it's one where I don't think there's like a def- there, uh, you can definitely say which one is better. I think mm-hmm. it's one of those ones that it just it completely depends on the individual. Yes, you're dead right and very well explained, Robert. Um, mm-hmm. Dictionary definitions there of plotting v pantsing. Um, you're right. There isn't really a Venn diagram, but there is a spectrum. Let's say so. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say point zero on the spectrum is somebody a writer who is a true pantser who just wakes up every day to a blank page. And as their imagination is running free, so too are their fingertips. 
as they're, as yeah. they're tapping against those keys. So that's a true definition of a, of, a, of a pantser at level zero, where you have no notes to go on. And as you are writing, you fly by the seat of your pants and you just allow your imagination to run as quickly as your fingertips are. Mm-hmm. Now, a plotter, let's say a, a level 100 plotter is somebody who has intricate notes on every aspect of their novel and their story idea. So they know how many chapters they're going to be. There's going to be 32 chapters. And then they have 12 bullet points in each chapters. And their character has this character arc that they've plotted out. And and everything is is pretty much on the page. When they're going to write their prose, they are just filling in the gaps between those bullet points. So that's mm-hmm. a level zero pantser and a level 100 plotter. And anywhere along that spectrum, any author can be. I happen to think I'm probably around the a level seventy, which would be like I'm, I'm heavy on plotting. Not oh, like I don't do character arcs and character backstories and all that type of thing. I can pants through that as I'm going through it, but I definitely sort of know roughly how many chapters are going to be. I yeah. know my beginning, middle, and end, and I know um, I will have about you know, 10 to 12 bullet points probably going on. Like the main points of my novel will be plotted out. Yeah. And then they'll be inserted. So this one will go in chapter one. This will be going chapter three. This will be chapter nine and, and so forth. And and it's sort of like that. So I'm not 100% a plotter. I'm about 70% there. So if there is that spectrum from blank page to copious notes being 100, Rob, where do you think you sit on that? I reckon I'm probably in and around the 70, 65 to 70 mark. I similar to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think similar to you. Um, I, I don't do it to such like a clinical degree where like I sit down and I go, right. Like you say, I just need to fill in some words here because I've already got all this stuff plotted out. Um, yeah. That's not how I go. But I think for me, I, I have you know, a good structure on roughly how long the book will be. I know how long my chapters will be. I have a word limit in my head, but all my books are usually around 30 chapters. And so I can roughly flesh out, you know, I've got three thirds then, don't I? I've got the beginning, the middle and the end. That's where my, I think I've just subconsciously done that when I've written the books. So it's my beginning, yeah. it's my middle, this is my end. And that's usually how they work. Like your first six to seven chapters, probably kicking things off, introducing all the pieces to the story. Then you get your first big action scene and it moves into the middle, which is usually where, you know, dynamics between characters grow. So whether it's a romantic interest or villains or um people who are backstabbing each other and then there'll be another big action piece and then it'll go into the final third where it usually just ramps up and that's where you get your main twists or your main cathartic moments um yeah but as far as knowing what they are on the page i have loose things i think i've mentioned this before i'll have like a couple of bullet points per chapter um mm-hmm. just so i know to like where i need to introduce a character or where yeah. a, a, a plot point has to happen to make another plot point yeah. make sense. We went over this last week. I think this kind of dovetails quite nicely with our 
six tips for improving your manuscript uh, podcast. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that one, go back to last week's episode because that one was full of really good um, writing tips. Yeah, I, that's what I use my plotting for. I think you know I'm quite big on things can't just happen. Things need to be tight. Um, and if I didn't write like this, I've I've got a lot of good reviews for the fighter already of people saying the callbacks between books and previous characters and things like that are becoming like quite applauded by by yes. a lot of my readers. And I think I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't keep these notes. So I didn't plot these yeah. things out. Um, the other thing I do have, which I would highly recommend to anyone writing a series. So I don't use Scrivener. I use Word. But all my mm-hmm. major characters have, I have a character sheet for them. Usual stuff, like what their birthday, Great. you know, so I know their age, what they look like, their hair color, their eye color. So if I ever need to bring that character yeah. back or whatever, I I can quickly check it out. So the consistency is there. But then what yeah. I do is after every book, if that character's been in it, I update that sheet. So there's almost like a little timeline. So you know when people have interacted or, you know, what injuries they've had or stuff like that. Great. That I, I plot to that degree, but that's more for, again, the consistency that I expect in my books. That's nice. So those character sheets are very interesting, especially if you're recalling characters uh, like huh? you are. But um, what I tend to do in that regard, Rob, is I would normally pull a... Um, an image from Google images. Uh-huh. Um, so for example, Quiva Larkin in one of my books in, in the middle of middle America, um, I knew I wanted her to be a very Irish looking, fair haired, uh, redheaded, fair skinned girl. Yeah. And so I just, I Googled that, found the image, put it on my desktop and I go, right, this is Quiva. So I constantly have a, um, a visual of her and I know what she looks like. Um, and I, I can write around it and it can help form the character as well. But um, it's interesting. We're, we're both feel as if we're yeah. about 65 or 70% along that spectrum that we discussed in terms of panting or plotting. Um, my, my, I work a lot of imagery when it comes to my characters. Um, but it should probably be said at this point that you and I, our narrative styles are different. So I'm yeah. always writing in first person and then you've got this um, lovely omniscient style that you go with for um, for Sam. So just for an example of what I do, and, and Rob and I are going to qualify exactly uh, what we do and why you don't necessarily have to listen to okay. us and copy what we do because this is an art form and we should all be you know, addressing it in our own creative way. But because I have, say, six characters on average per book, uh, I will headline notes with each of the characters. Uh I will have that image. And then I will just probably have about 12 or so bullet points of exactly what's going to happen to this character over the course of the entire story. So if that's six characters with about 10 or 12 points, bullet points each, I guess it means I have maybe 70 bullet points to start on. Um, before I'm even writing the opening mm-hmm. line of chapter one. So I guess it is a decent bit of plotting. It's not, it, it's lightly intricate. I wouldn't say it's heavily intricate. Um, but I should also say that apart from my characterization and, and knowing each of their arcs and where they're going to go in the story, my story ideas tend to start at the end if that makes yes. sense, as in yep. my ho- the whole concept for the story will 
probably likely be the twist. I'm going, oh, that's a good twist. How can I build a story up to that twist? Now, that's sort of how I go about coming up with story ideas and then plotting them out. So once I come up with that twist, I think, right, who are the players in this game? Who are the characters? And then once I have my five or six characters, I would say, right, what's going to happen to each of these um, over the entirety of the story? And that's where my 12 or 10 bullet points for each character will come from. And then I'll start to build on the overall arc. And at one stage, I will go, okay, it's time to write chapter Mm -hmm. one. And I will get to it. Now, I've often, when I was teaching, said to my students, know your ending. So this is something to do with plotting. At least know your ending. Now, that's not advice I would give to everybody, but it's it's advice I will give to students or somebody who's trying to or struggling to write their very first book. Because I yeah. genuinely believe that if you have that light at the end of the tunnel, you know your destination well, then the journey becomes easier because so many um, authors who are writing their first book slodge through the first book. They're probably writing it while they're undergoing a degree or they've got a full-time job or they're, they're raising mm-hmm. two or three children. So it's it's not easy. So I always give the advice of if you're not much of a plotter, at least know your ending, know your destination. What's the twist of this? What's the conclusion? How do I want my readers to feel? when they are finished this story that's a really good early question to ask and then if you if you do know that strong bullet point i.e your ending well then you can sort of build bullet points up to that but i don't want to preach too much about this robert because like you and i always say it's it's an art form and no painter who's um you know has his watercolors is telling their students or or people who artists who want to be like them exactly how to do it because an art form is is specific isn't it it's like a fingerprint is everybody needs to approach their manuscripts in their own creative way yeah 100 percent um and it's the same with the business side as well you know not every business is run the same um you and i run our businesses very differently as well there's probably a lot of similarities but the way we approach stuff probably very different um exactly what what i will uh, just as a small caveat say there is obviously there's no right way to do that uh, to do this Mm -hmm. to to, you know like we say it is an art form um and we'll go into the negative the benefits and the negatives of both plotting and pantsing i guess in a minute just you know holistically not just for you and i yeah um but what i just want to make a point there is is if people are you know this is how you and I do stuff. So when people want to think like, oh, you know, they're just writing books or whatever, like, you know, my friends think I don't work now. <laughs> you know, they, they just think <laughs> I muck about all day and I might write a book. But there's a lot that goes into it. You know, apart from having the uh, dedication, the focus and the consistency to sit down and write the actual thing. There's a lot of pre-work that goes into it as well. You know, this doesn't even take into account all of the research we have to do. You know, I had to research a Serbian crime system for my last book. The one before yeah. that, I had to research a lot about French politics and how they elect their presidents, the amount of right. weapons research. So there's a lot of stuff that goes in. Um, and if people think, oh, my God, there's too much to do tough (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah tough get on with it if you want to write books and you want to write them to the best of your ability to the point where people cannot distinguish between you and a traditionally published author you have to do all of that work right that's my little soapbox 
done. Great soapbox. Um, but I think you're right. It is the creative thing, writing. So let's talk about, should we do the benefits and negatives of one and then benefits and negatives of the other? Or should we do benefits for both, negatives for both? What do you think we should do? Um, yeah, let's start with pantsing. Um, okay. which is uh, which is I I guess is the the most raw uh, approach yes. to any sort of um creative purpose. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily pertain to just uh, writing novels again and mm-hmm. artists or um someone writing screenplays or somebody um being an illustrator. You you could pants your way through it, okay, and it makes sense because. Um, if you're arriving at a blank page every morning, Robert, as 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 a positive uh, for pantsers, mm-hmm. it means you, you've you you can go in any direction you want. Yeah. So you've got the total freedom and 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 uh, autonomy to take this story where you want. So it's the big advantage to panting. And I know a lot of authors. With me and you, we, we um, interview an author every week on this. We're mm-hmm. we're heavy in other author groups. We've a heavy presence. We've spoken to hundreds of authors um over the yep. years uh robert even before doing this podcast had has a penchant and still has for reaching out to authors he admires and saying mm-hmm. well done you um, and picking their brain and um, i've done the same and um, i've edited with authors we interview as i said someone on here every week they all approach this differently and we know authors who make and create great novels just from pantsing and and it gives you that freedom doesn't it if you're arriving at a blank page every day I guess there's no real sort of um, there's no ceiling no. to where you can take that particular chapter. Yeah, I think that's the the the, the main thing there is that like you said the word the freedom, the the freedom to go. You know, it doesn't matter how many I do today. I don't really have a target. I don't really have an idea. Let's just see how it goes. And from a creative point of view, it's almost like. You know that moment where you get the seed of an idea for a book drop in your head? So you have it with your twist. I have it Mm -hmm. probably with an action scene. Yeah. Or now with the Jack Townsend one, a how brutal of a murder can I do? Like how twisted can it be? That's probably your seed. That's like the seed because then after that, it's like, okay, well, we'll ask all those other questions. and We could do a whole episode of what questions should you ask to flesh out your manuscript? Because if I have an action scene, I go, okay, well, why is Sam there? How does he get there? What would drive him to want to get there? You know, all that stuff. But that seed, right, that happens in my mind. That doesn't come out on the page because before it comes out on the page, I've already asked all those questions and I've already done it. So I guess if you're a pantser, you're basically sitting at your keyboard with your fingers on the keys as that seed drops in your mind. And instead yeah. of fleshing it out outside of what you're going to be providing to your readers, you would be giving them f- like front row seats to the seed blossoming in your head. Now, from a creative point of view, my favorite part of the whole process, apart from launching a book, is creating the story. I love that bit. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So imagine doing that for every book and I'm to do all that other work. That would be, you know, chef's kiss. That is from a creative standpoint that's where the positive comes from now the negative for me is that would just give me so much anxiety because i just personally i don't think i could write a tight enough book just by the seat of my pants and i think i'm often real yeah go on Sorry, Rob. I was going to say I'm often amazed by true mm. pantsers. You know, who are arriving yeah. at the blank page, but like you, 
I my anxiety would be through the roof. Uh, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't be able to take that approach. And that's not to say that you can't. You listener at home can't take that approach. Do if it suits you. You will find your own creative um, approach. But um, so much so, Rob, that I can't. If I'm if I'm writing a chapter, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. If I'm finishing chapter sixteen, I will uh-huh. at least write the opening paragraph. It could be just two hundred word paragraph of the opening of chapter 17 so that when i arrive down when i arrive down tomorrow morning at my laptop at least there's there's already something there and Mm -hmm. i'm not just staring at a blank page now because of the the notes um the bullet points that i mentioned earlier on uh talking about this that i have so maybe i have six characters and there's 12 bullet points for each i all there's there's always one per chapter so i know oh i'm in cueva's head today and um for cueva this is the part where she falls in love with merrick okay so that's probably the only bullet point i have cueva and merrick fall in love and now i've got to create a whole chapter which is normally i aim for um between a thousand and fifteen hundred words per chapter it normally comes in about fourteen hundred um on average mm-hmm. and all i have is that one seed of that one small idea that one bullet point cueva falls in love with merrick today and i've got it and then it's my job so i i guess i'm pantsing from there but at least i have a yeah. diving board to go off from so um yes. the big positive for pantsing is that you your total liberation of your freedom the big negative is can you deal with the anxiety of arriving at a blank page every morning yeah now to flip that robert plotting which me and you do we've discussed perhaps to a varying degree maybe about 70% along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. What is the big um, advantage of plotting? Does that go without saying? Yeah. I, well, apart from obviously, go, oh, okay, you've fleshed out your idea. The big benefit, and this is the benefit for me, um, so it might not be for other people. Now, David, you you know, I think our listeners probably know now, I'm quite good at getting myself down and getting my work done. I'm quite efficient with my time. Very good discipline, yeah. So what I actually have is I have my chapters plotted out, like I said, so 30 chapters. I will actually have my calendar for the week ahead, right? And I will block out two-hour blocks where I say this chapter now, this chapter now. And now the you know, I run it like a business. I have to turn up to work. That's the thing. That's how I see it. I have to turn up and I have to write because it's my job. But the thing is, the reason I can do that, and this is a benefit for me for plotting, is when I sit down, it's like, oh, you have to write chapter 18 today. I'm not sitting down going, well, what the fuck is chapter 18? Because I already yeah. know. I sit down, I go, okay, that's happening, and that's happening. Because they're usually in like two bullet points. So what's happening with Sam? What's happening with the rest of the story? And then that's usually yeah. 1,500 to 2,000 words per bit, right? But I oh, know probably less than that. It's usually my chapters are about two and a half to 3,000 words. Um, so the thing is, is when I sit down to do that, because I have that and because I know what's going to happen in the next chapter as well, I can write this efficiently enough that I cover the the plot point and I set up the next chapter. So kind of like you, I'm, I'm not turning up to the next thing, not knowing what I'm doing. So that is the biggest benefit. Apart from the ones I said earlier, when I was talking about how I plot about consistency, callbacks, all that stuff for me the if i didn't plot 
I don't think I would write nearly half as much because I think the fact that I've got it written out and I've plotted in the time to write it, I, in my head, and this is obviously everyone's head's very different, in my head, I just tell myself, well, you've got no excuse because you've got the time yeah. here and yeah. you've got the information there. The only per- the only reason you're not writing it is going to be because of you. So then I sit and I write it. So that, on a personal level, I think is why plotting is so important. Yeah. Yeah, you're building a bridge, a mentality mm-hmm. bridge, aren't you? You, mm-hmm. you? Okay, Robert, you've got no fucking excuse now because you mm-hmm. know what this chapter is going to be about. Yeah, yep. and that that is the big advantage of plotting. I mean, it probably does go without saying, but the more you have on the page, the easier it is for you to flesh out that prose and really bring what that bullet point or whatever that note is to life. Um, but that's not to say it's all positive um, plotting because there, there are um, folks who love the plotting element and they plot all day and every day and then they can't really get their prose written so it, it, it can there can be a negative to it you can overplay your plotting which sort of i guess in some ways it could stilt couldn't it it, it could really put a, a a halt on the creative process robert so you don't want to be overcooking mm-hmm. the um plotting unless that's exactly the approach you want to make so don't plot for the sake of it yeah um just give yourself enough ammunition that you can put in the gun and you can fire it when it's time to start writing that prose yeah i think it's the um it's like uh you remember like when you was a kid or whatever and you used to like have to cut a shape out of paper and i don't know maybe you're cutting a heart out of paper and one of them isn't as symmetrical as the other so then you go and try and cut that and then that now it's not symmetrical again and eventually you end up with nothing because you cut it too small I think you can keep plotting and plotting and plotting and plotting to the point where you don't have and you you just don't get it done. I think so. I agree with you there. I think there should be a point in time where you go, you know what? I've plotted enough here. I need to start writing. I think the other negative you can probably get out of it. And I appreciate when I talk about this stuff, I'm quite, I don't know. I come at it very businesslike at times. I'm aware because it is yeah. my job, it is my business, and I take a lot of pride in it. But I guess at times, you know, if I'm saying I'm sitting down and I've got two two-hour blocks, and in this one you must write this, which you've already pre-plotted, you must write this, which you've already pre-plotted, I can understand why some people might think that that takes away maybe the creative element or possibly mm-hmm. the love or the fun element. It doesn't. Yeah. I love writing. Writing's my favorite thing in the world. But I can understand why some people might not want to go down that route because it's a bit more clinical and not as creative. It's a very good point you raised there. And and I guess what it spells out really to our listener is that you have to find what works for you. So we, we've given you a bit of a weird um, spectrum that you probably never heard of, you know, a blank page to copious notes at 100%, from 0% to 100% along that spectrum. Rob and I think we're about 65 or 70% of the way through that in terms of how many notes we need before we begin the process. What or where are you along that spectrum? And where can you be along that spectrum that gives you the best chance of finishing this novel to, 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 its, very, um, to its very best? How can you... Pro- how can you write the best novel you can do you need hundreds of notes do you need a couple of dozen of notes do you just need a beginning middle and end note where are you on that spectrum 
um, in terms of giving you the the best chance to finish that novel. So where are you along that spectrum? Find out where you are and then get writing your novels. Two Should I use MailChimp or MailerLite? I just can't get my Facebook ads right. I struggle writing every single day. My imposter syndrome won't go away. Amazon affiliates just won't work. Trying to go white drives me berserk. All of the above makes me feel sad. So I'm going to ask the mailbag. Wow. So you've been, you've been, you plotted that out. I've been plotting, dude. I'm, I've, I've got a whole <laughs> batch of songs for you guys. <laughs> you thought you'd get rid of me. I'm never going away. <laughs> but David, as always, one of my Crikey. glorious songs does indicate that it is time for the mailbag. And we have mm-hmm. a question this week sent from us, sent to us from Katie Mallon Baton, who says, Hi all, Instagram question. No, oh, Instagram, Ingram Spark question. Which we I don't think we get oh, much Ingram on Ingram Spark. Yeah, mm-hmm. it costs a hundred and fifty dollars to advertise on their iPage list. Has anyone had success with this in the past? Many thanks. You're quite oh, um, yeah. big on Ingram because you've got your biography, so I think you're probably in a good position to answer this. Yeah, I, I saw Katie. Katie asked this in the Facebook group. So uh, yeah. thanks very much, Katie. Yeah, so Ingram Spark have a iPage list that they send out to all the bookstores um, with mm-hmm. hundreds of books on it every month. And you can pay to have your books on that. It's a, as, um, as Katie said, there's about $150. Um, yeah, I've done this um, to really big success with the Alec Ferguson book and then tried it with my commercial fiction and it didn't really work uh-huh. so well. And uh, when you take those two examples into consideration, that makes total sense. The Alex Ferguson biography is a very attractive book for um, a bookstore because it's 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 quite unique, whereas my psychological thrillers um, are not that unique and they're fighting against all the other hundreds of psychological thrillers on the list or the the multiple thousands or even millions of books that the bookstore could order in in that particular genre. Whereas the Alex Ferguson one, they'd either take it, oh, we'll stock that Alex Ferguson biography, or we won't stock it. I'm not really, it's not in competition with another million books in the same genre, if you know what I mean. So have a think about it, Katie. Does your book, is it really bookstore attractive in that way? If it's generic commercial fiction, which uh, Rob and I predominantly write in, it's likely you may be losing $150 there. It's it's probably not going to be uh, that successful for you. I should say, just to answer this question as well, Katie, when, when I um, signed with my agent, um, what's it, about nine months ago now, the end of last summer, um. I was talking about, oh, yeah, see if you can get me more into bookstores. She says, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll try this tactic. We'll try this. And she was saying to me, now, have a look on my Amazon page um, just for visualization of what I'm going to tell you here. But she said, my first six books, the book covers look like they could be stocked in, you know, you know the way Tesco and all stock books now, Rob, these um, high street um stores grocery stores yep. they stock books so it could be in tesco or a dunn stores or a sainsbury she can she can see them there she says whereas my next tree which is my america trilogy they look 
lot more attractive to a WH Smiths or a Waterstones. And I and I looked at them and went, Oh, I get what you're saying. I get that. that sort of makes sense. It's there's just something about the the cover design on them and, and, and the fact that they're just they look a little bit different. So um take it all into consider consideration, Katie. Do, do, how can I get my books into bookstores? Is it worth me paying $150 to try the iPage list? Well, for me, with my budget, I would always say, oh, it's worth it for the test, test, test. But then again, there are people who $150 is a lot it of money for them. And yeah. That, yeah, that could be the budget. It wouldn't necessarily be worth it in that sense, unless you had a very attractive bookstore book. What do you think, Rob? Uh, yeah, I think you've summed the majority of it up there. Um, I've never had much in way of Ingram Spark. I'm on there. Um, I'm a member of Ali, so it doesn't cost me anything to upload to them. So it makes sense. Put your books yeah. in as many places as possible. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I probably get about 30, 40 sales a week. I did this not that long ago. I, I did it for the first book in the Sam Pope series. Probably got like an extra 60, 70 orders of that book, but I haven't seen the knock-on effect then um and the yeah. way i see that is is my whole business depends on read-through and when i'm selling directly to readers on amazon or through facebook ads or amazon ads i know the book's getting read whereas sending it to a bookstore doesn't mean i've got a reader that's the thing so i can't guarantee yeah. the read-through so i feel well for me i think probably for the majority of indie authors it's more of a digital game than a bookshop game um and i i perfectly honest with you i think pumping that money into ingram spark will only be making them money okay robert it is time for the seven questions and we are traveling down under um for our guest today it is jonathan weiss a brand new independent author uh, jonathan thank you so much for giving us your time it's our morning your evening we really appreciate it thanks very much oh of course it's a pleasure and um, so jonathan just before we, we we probe you with these seven questions uh you, you i've been on your website it's mighty impressive you have a real structure over the next few years of what books you're going to bring out when they're going to come out and what order they're going to come out and um, can you give a little bit of a, a, an overview of the types of books you write and what you're projecting over the next couple of years yeah, so the brief overview is it's a mashup of um, science fiction and fantasy set in this really uh, apocalyptic desert world. So you think uh, kind of if you mash, uh, you know, the franchise of Dune into something like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, the reason mm. it seems to have this really big, staggered kind of uh, interlapping set of series releasing is because when I decided to take the plunge into being an independent author, I already had the first two books in two different series written. So right. it didn't make sense to sit on one and wait for that series to complete before releasing the other. And this way, having them alternate, I can hide all these little Easter eggs between them. It's brilliant. We were, we were just studying um, your, your books there. It looks fantastic. And we've just done a whole episode, Jonathan, on plotting versus panting. Oh, and you're an incredible plotter, uh, really incredible work uh, that you're doing now. So let's see... Um, how you have approached this business we know that you have a, a great structure um but it's now time to face the seven questions so jonathan question number one is are you a full-time author 
Yeah, so currently I'm full-time. Uh, I started uh, December last year. I quit a job in tech sales and I realized I was sitting on enough savings that you know I could make a real crack at this. So I've Amazing. always wanted to do it. Oh, that's fantastic. So you, you have, as we mentioned, everything plotted out. Uh, it's just a matter of releasing those books over the next couple of years and you and you have some capital with you to invest into some marketing? Yeah, exactly. So um, this will probably come up later, but um, some of the marketing has been with some of the book tour question, uh, sorry, book tour companies as well. Nice. Fantastic. Well, it's always wonderful. I always feel that I'm really proud when I hear people are doing it full time. I love it. Um, yeah. But big question for you, Jonathan. It's one that um, every independent author has to face is when it comes to your eBooks, have you decided to go wide or are you exclusive to Amazon? So decided is probably a pretty strong term, but at the moment I'm wide, um, still only starting out. I've only got one book out at the moment. So I'm still trying to feel out where kind of my fortunes would lie with that. I'm thinking of going back to exclusive with Amazon. Um, but you know, that's again, a decision I'm going to have to make over the next couple of months as well with more books coming out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all looks so good. I, I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really enamored by the amount of effort you're putting in before these books are even um, released. So, so those interested in the description Jonathan has given about his stories, which sounds really impressive, Molten Flux is the name of the title of his very first book, which just came out um, over the past couple of weeks. Question three, Jonathan. Um, can you name the one service you use as an independent author that you cannot do without? Um, so I think the one that I've discovered recently is a uh, service called Atticus. Uh, it's the uh, yes. spin-off uh, kind of opposite of Vellum, uh, which you can use on Windows. It's cloud-based. And that's what I've been using to do all my formatting as well. Being able to have quick and easy access to uh, spinning out epubs and pdfs so i can actually catch all the typos and stuff that even still make it through copy edits and stuff yeah uh doing that myself fantastic agility lovely and yeah, that's just um, a, I'm, I'm, sorry go ahead robert i was just gonna say i think um a formatting software i think is one of the most uh, popular answers we get on here whether it's atticus we've mm. had atticus before we got a lot of shout outs for vellum um i think david and i are vellum Till we die, um, you know, <laughs> fans of that service. But uh, but no, I think Atticus is 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 a, a fantastic piece of software. Yeah. Um, does it do all the um, links in the back? as well can you pull the links yeah, yeah. To the, so it does the, the links a lot of features are still being added to it by the looks of it um uh, but it, it, it's quite a huge tool to work with so i'm still getting the hang of it as well perfect um well like i said a very popular answer there and we'll move on to question four which i think is probably our most popular question um and it's one that most indie authors always want to ask other indie authors the question and we are lucky enough to get to do that on a weekly basis and that is how do you market your books yeah so i focus a lot of marketing at the moment both into growing uh instagram following uh, and also the newsletter following as well um i've got a prequel to the novel i just released that i've put in as my reader magnet and i've joined a couple group promos on book funnel uh and that's you know 
pretty much doubled my newsletter uh, mailing list, I'd say in about a month, which is fantastic. Nice. Um, and as mentioned before, I've also kind of used some of the capital that I've um, gained through my former career to uh, rein in some of the um, book tour companies as well. So I can get uh, some more book fluences, some more reviews on books early. So, you know, give them a bit of a launch. This is really good stuff. I have to say I've dealt with um, dozens, maybe even hundreds of authors, independent authors at this stage, Jonathan, and it's sort of hard to get a read on whether mm. one could really be successful. I'd put my money on you being a big success oh, in this, Jonathan. Thank um, you. Not just because your story ideas look great and your branding is, is, is already there, but you know what you're doing. You, it's not like you came into independent publishing blind. Um, you, I take it you have studied, you have learned lots of processes and you know what you're doing and where you're going. So that's really, really, I mean, I would not say that to every independent author. Um, mm. I would definitely put my money on you being a success down the line. So congratulations on all you've, you've plotted out so far. Um, now, you haven't been in the game an awful lot, but I just said there that you, you have been studying it and you know what's required of a successful independent author. But is there one thing you know now that you wish you had known from the outset? I think a lot of it would come down to um, just keeping things, actions uh, on, a, I guess, a metadata front. So being able to keep up with uh, keywords, being able to keep up with categories. I'm still struggling to wrap my head around that about yeah. eight or nine months in. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I'm hoping it'll click in. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of the common advice at this early stage before I start worrying about keywords and advertising is spitting out more books as well. So I, I'm, I'm resting easily enough in my ignorance for now. I mean, you're saying that to the right person. I, I <laughs> live by the notion that nothing sells your books better than your next book. Um, exactly. I agree. With, I agree with you there. Categories and keywords. Have you ever um, looked at the tool Publisher Rocket? Have you seen? I have a look at it. Um, yeah, and it was one of those things where I, I, I thought to myself, "That's a down the road type of investment." Um, so mm-hmm. again, yeah. just as your advice, which is actually I got it from you as well. So um, publishing that next book is the main thing I've been driving towards. Brilliant. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, but yeah, that's a, that. That is a good. That is a good tool to use, especially if mm. it's. They have a lot of. Um, supporting videos and materials dave chesham i think he was at the spf live conference he's a wonderful wonderful man he does a lot of good stuff but um he does a lot of good training videos that explains a lot about how your keywords and your categories work um so even if you don't get the tool it's probably worth trying to dig out his videos because that helped me get my head around it a little bit better um but yeah well you just sort of spoke about the fresh a frustration there with categories Mm. and stuff um what has been your biggest frustration so far um, in your indie author career? Um, I think uh, it, it, it's, it's a little bit lonely, especially kind of what you touched upon before, David, like having this yeah. amount of uh, series planned out, having all these stories planned out and absolutely no one to tell them to because it'll sound insane because <laughs> it kind of hasn't happened yet. So yeah. I, I think just those starting kind of months and years, um, definitely a bit more lonely than the rest of them, hopefully. Uh, I hope kind of there's more people who will be able to relate to it um, as time goes on. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the isolation of being an independent anything, but uh, a, mm. an independent author specifically because it is – just you on a laptop uh exactly for, for the most part and we, we sort of addressed that on the show uh, and through a couple of 
episodes, but um, and it's one of the reasons why we set up the community on Facebook. So, Jonathan, if you want to kick ideas around or, you know, say, this is what I have planned for book three and four and five, please feel free to use um, the Two Indie Authors Facebook group um, for some of that, um, you know, helpful spirit a bit of camaraderie is what we're after there through that um facebook page we're also spoiler alert we're also robert and i hoping to get a, a group of independent authors together from that group at some stage but we're gonna we're gonna disguise and discuss that at some point it would be a very expensive get together for you jonathan and mm. um, flying all <laughs> the way in hell of a flight um, but we, we i'd love to come back to that side of the world though Yes, so yes. Nice. Well, you're more than welcome. Anytime. You can, well, we've yeah. square beds up here in the two indie authors HQ. But um, <laughs> even if we do a digital one online, but we, we, we addressing that isolation that you've just spoken about, Jonathan, is definitely um, something Robert and I are conscious of and that we're going to try and remedy as, as best we can. So, wow, great answers from the other side of the world. Um, I can't believe we're on question seven already, Jonathan. Thank you so much for your time. So question seven... This one goes out to all the listeners. Is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to some independent authors? Um, it, it's I think it's a little paradoxical to uh, my answer to question six, but um, just because you feel rather lonely in it, uh, it doesn't mean it's not real. Um, beating imposter syndrome is a very difficult mm. task, especially you know day to day when all you can do is pound words into a laptop. But yeah. just because you've put in the act of writing and you've put in the act of publishing, especially if you, you know, kind of put something out, like you're real, you're a real author. And I think there's a great deal of respect you should give yourself for that. Fantastic answer. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think the, the no, I hate imposter syndrome. I understand mm. it. And I've had to battle a little bit of it recently because I'm switching genres. Um, I go into mm. a little bit in the, in the show we've just done today. Um, about how I had to reach out to someone to get them to tell me I was on the right track with it. But I, I like to push back and batten down people, anyone who says like, oh, that, I, you know, oh, you're up there like with the real authors or the big authors or something like that. It's like, well, no, I am a real author because like, I'm up there with them. Like, And I fully, fully agree with you on that one, especially for you to have – that mentality after, like you said, like one book being launched, another book swiftly, um, swiftly to follow soon. Like that's a really good place for you to be mentally, like approaching it because I see that a quite a lot of people going like, Oh, I can't believe someone wants to read my book. And obviously you're, you're not coming at it from that point of view. I take it. Yeah. It's, it's more of a stance of like trying to get them all out essentially instead of just the one. Hmm. Yeah, it's Amazing. fantastic. Jonathan, you're only at the start of your in the auto career, but you really speak um, like a an experienced author and somebody who's been around the block uh, when it comes to independent authoring. We really appreciate you giving us your time this evening. Do check um, Jonathan's plans out. What, what's your website, Jonathan? What's the URL? So my website is just jonathanweiss.com.au. Uh, I can spell that out if you like. Yeah, please it's do. Nice. <laughs> So J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-W-E-I-S-S dot com dot A-U. Brilliant. And you will see when you go onto Jonathan's website, somebody who is in this for the long game. Jonathan, thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure.
David, a lovely chat from Jonathan, who joined us all the way from Australia. So he gave up his evening to speak lovely. to us. And again, let's just repeat the whole thing. What a wonderful community this is and what a wonderful set of answers he had for us. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're getting boring now at the end of every seven questions. We go, what a lovely <laughs> guest. <laughs> it's true. We need we're a, a bit we, Jimmy we, Fallon. We need a we love everybody. to come on. We need a dickhead to come yeah. on and really give us, yeah. some, any, give us some lip. Any dickhead indie authors out there want to come on and trash me and Rob on our show and the whole community? <laughs> um, just for a change. Just for yeah. a change. But yes, uh, Jonathan, great answers again. Well, of course, because we asked seven great questions. But Jonathan, um, yeah, that, that, was, that was a real good insight um, mm-hmm. for all of our listeners, uh, which is exactly why we invented or uh, concocted the seven questions, Robert. Yeah, and if people want to be like Jonathan um, and join us in the Seven Questions Hot Seat, they can find the sign-up form on our Facebook group, on our Instagram, and at our website, www.twoindieauthors.co.uk. David, it's the end of the show. What have you got on for this week? Um, It's the end of my drafting because... Um, by the time I'm talking to you next week, my book will be just on the way to the editor. So uh, my final couple of drafts going over it just to perfect it. I'm, I have a, a little dilemma, actually, Rob. Uh-huh. Um, I, I mentioned to you before, I don't know whether it was on or off air, that um, there's a slight concern with the this novella series that I'm writing where I'm really... Um, offering up dead ends you know the very numbing end it's not a conclusive ending and i'm sort of playing around with the idea of also including chapter one of the next book right okay if that makes sense um so it might be something i I might discuss with you off there whether that that's that's the right approach to take but and if i do i gotta write that chapter which is the first of the next book and um, within the next week so we can go in the package to the editor but that's pretty much what i'll be working on over the next seven days what about you buddy um i'm just going to try and get as much of this jack townsend book written as possible i'm in the zone Great. got a good story it's fresh it's new it's exciting so um i'm just going to throw myself into that so uh have a wonderful week david and you too we will see you all next week on